Joe Biden is at the G20 in Bali, Indonesia, and has a three-hour meeting with Xi Jinping, the Chinese president. Pretty sure Xi Jinping made Biden pee his pants. The China virus thing is never going to end, and everything is racist. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. All right, you know, I, I, try, I try and do this show half hour a day you know, for four days a week. And sometimes it may seem that I miss a lot of things. And I do, you know, half hours, not very long. So there's so much going on this week. There's the G20, which we're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to talk about today. We're also going to talk about it uh, tomorrow because some bizarre stuff happened yesterday at the G20. There's also Unemployment problems. It looks like we are finally going to hit that bubble. That bubble is going to burst for Joe Biden. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow, too. But today, I, I already had this done. I, I said, we got to go with through. We can talk about that other crap tomorrow. And there is a ton of stuff to talk about, especially in the culture. There's a lot of culture stuff going on right now. So, like I said, Joe Biden is in Bali, Indonesia. And he'll be there for the next couple of days. And he had a three-hour meeting with Xi Jinping. Uh, after that, he decided to hold a press conference. Now, that's never a good idea for this guy. I don't care how much B6 uh, they decide to pump into him. It's just going to be very difficult for an 80-year-old man, after traveling 18 hours, to actually have any kind of energy to have a, to have a uh, press conference. And, you know... I always fear when he says anything when he's in another country because you know he's going he's just going to say stupid crap and he did. So here's the introduction of his speech and of course it's unifying as usual. He decides to talk about the election, um, you know, calling Americans names and touting that he's the big boy on the block because he didn't lose the House and Senate. I, the House and Senate, you know, he did lose the House. He's going to lose the House. There's no question he's going to lose the House by a few. But it's just why you go to a different country and have to talk like this, I don't know. But let's listen to what he had to say, and then we'll listen to a couple of his gaffes. Good evening, everyone. Uh, let me start with a few words about the recent elections held in the United States. What we saw was the strength and resilience of the American democracy, and we saw it in action. And the American people prove once again that democracy is who we are. And there's a strong rejection of election deniers at every level from those seeking to lead our states and those seeking to serve in Congress and also those seeking to oversee the elections. And uh, there was a strong rejection of political violence and voter intimidation. And there was an emphatic statement that in America, the will of the people prevails. I have uh, I've traveled this week. And it's been clear just how closely the world and our allies and our competitors as well have been following our elections at home. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have a little cold. And what these elections showed is that there's a deep and unwavering commitment in America to preserving and protecting and defending democracy. Now, let me speak briefly about our agenda over the past few days. You know, that's always a good thing when you're to do when you're in a foreign country. Just sit back and call half the Americans, half of the American people, bad people and election deniers. Hey, newsflash, I'm an election denier. I think this election was rigged. I think Arizona, California, Nevada, I think they were rigged. 
I have very little doubt about it. I'm sorry if it takes you seven. I mean, they're not even finished counting yet. It's seven days. It's been seven days since the election took place. They had four million ballots to count, and it took them seven days. Still counting, as a matter of fact. Meanwhile, in Florida, they did 17 million ballots in like four hours. So, I yes, I think it's rigged. I think the system's rigged. I think it needs to be changed. But the fact that he goes to another country and decides to say this, I mean, he could say this here. But he doesn't seem to understand. This always bites him in the ass when he starts having meetings with these leaders. These leaders sit there, and whenever he sits there and he says, hey, hey, you got to change your policy. You got to change this. You got to change that. They always say, well, wait a minute. You got problems in your country. You just said it. And they ignore him. For example, they did that when they met with China the first time when he became president last year. China said, we don't want to hear about our human rights problems. From my understanding, you got a real race problem over there. You worry about your own civil rights problems. It's just, it's bad politics. It's really bad politics. And, it, you know, it's really, nobody gives a damn what the G20 think of the United States. But when you're a globalist like Joe Biden is, he does care what, what they think. I also want to point out that that if Republicans were voted in, that's when democracy is dead. If we had taken the Senate and the House, if Republicans had taken the Senate and the House, that would be an end to democracy. But if Democrats take the House, democracy is saved. Now, mind you, the, the whole concept of, well, we voted them in isn't exactly a great example of democracy not working. But, hey, they don't care about that. I would have loved to hear what he would have said if they would have lost. I, I really would have loved to hear it. Well, uh, by the way, my prediction about Biden leaving by the end of the year, not anymore. That's gone. That's gone. Biden is not only not going to resign by the end of the year, he's probably going to run for president in 2024, which I think would be great. I'd love to see Biden run again in 2024. Let him go out there and debate. Let's see if he can hide his ass in the basement. Okay, well, here's here's something. Um, here he is say, saying something without really saying anything. I, I, I guess we should be used to this because we've got the press secretary that does exactly the same thing. Let's listen. I want to be clear and be clear with all leaders, but particularly with Xi Jinping that I mean what I say and I say what I mean. So there's no misunderstanding. That's the biggest concern is I have is a misunderstanding about intentions or actions on each of our parts. So we went into, I look at my team, how long did that meeting last? Three and a half hours. So we covered an awful lot of territory. And, uh, and I must say that uh, he was as straightforward as he has been with me in the past. And I, I think that uh, we understand one another, which is the most important thing that can be done. Okay, so the question I have for you, because he didn't really say anything. What does that mean? It's just a word salad. It's tough talk, but it doesn't mean anything. So what did you say? If you go to the, if you go to the White House's website and look at the transcript of this discussion, they had a three and a half hour conversation and 
what they have in the White House is half a page. Well, what does that mean? What did you say that you really meant? There's no answer. Just nothing but nothing but uh, nothing but talk. It's just nothing. It's a word salad. It's crap. This is what they do. They don't answer any questions. Well, Xi said something to Biden, and it wasn't comforting. We'll get to that in a few minutes. And apparently, unlike Joe Biden, Xi Jinping has no problems telling the world what he said. And it wasn't good. So then, of course, you got Joe Biden just being uh, being senile. Here he is taking questions from the press. Of course, the press has been pre-selected by them, whoever them is. I have no idea. You're the president of the United States. You should be able to sit up there however long you want. So let's listen to him make an ass out of himself by saying he's not in control. I'm happy to take questions, and I'm told there are going to be four questioners, but I'm not going to do 10 questions from each questioner. All right? Let's make that clear at the outset here. Now, this may seem like it's not a big deal, but he always does this. But here's the thing. People are beginning to complain. The press is beginning to complain about it. The pre- I mean, he didn't call on Fox News. He didn't call OAN. He didn't call Newsmax. He called the typical AP, CNN, Washington Post, New York Times. That's who, that's who he talks to. This is getting old. They just did a study that says that Joe Biden does point, is averaging, averaging 0.5 press conference, uh, conferences a month. He has done... Two news, and mind you, that's over the year since January of 2022. That's over the year. He hasn't done a. He's done two stand-up press conferences this year. That's it. On the other hand, um, if you look at Trump, Trump did 2.6 news conferences, and that was high. Biden did, or uh, Obama did, I think 1.7. And George W. Bush did average three during their terms. And then when he gets up there, he doesn't just answer questions. He doesn't, he answers questions that they already know what the questions are going to be. And it's from left-leaning outlets. All I hear about from this administration is how transparent they are. And all I see is they're not transparent at all. Well, this is always good. This is always a good look. Um, and I'd love to know who's running the show too. Who's telling this guy who to vote for, who to call, who, who is this? Who? Anyway, uh, here he is, old Joe being senile. And this is always a good look when you're talking, again, this is always a good look when you're talking to foreign leaders. Um, uh, I can't have trouble reading this. Reuters, uh, the tangent both. Always a good look. Always a good look. That's that's just going to have China shaking in their boots. That's going to have Iran saying, oh my God, we better sign that deal for and get nothing and just give them everything they want. Yeah, this old fart can't even read a note card that's in his hands. Right in front of him, he can't even read the note card. Okay, but, the, it, well, I mean, there was a, a good question. 
there was a good question. The question is, did you talk to Xi Jinping? By the way, the fact of the matter is Joe Biden had a lot in the three and a half hours to read what the transcript said is is embarrassing. There are a couple things he didn't talk about. So he was asked, is China going to invade Taiwan? What are we going to do about it if they do? Here's his response. Based on this meeting today, do you believe a, a new Cold War with China can be avoided? And specifically on the issue of Taiwan, you spoke about intentions do you believe China is preparing, intending to invade Taiwan at some point? And what warnings did you issue to President Xi if he were to take such action? Well, to answer the first part of your question, I absolutely believe there need not be a new Cold War. We, uh, I've met many times with Xi Jinping, and we were candid and clear with one another across the board. And I do not think there's any imminent attempt on the part of China to invade Taiwan. And I uh, made it clear that our policy on Taiwan has not changed at all. It's the same exact position we've had. I made it clear that we want to see cross-strait issues peacefully resolved. And, uh, and so it never has to come to that. So according to Joe Biden, we're not in a Cold War with China. And Taiwan is not planning, or China is not planning to invade Taiwan. Now, one thing I've learned about Joe Biden if he says something, this is not happening or this is happening, take the opposite. We are in a Cold War with China. And Taiwan is going to be invaded by China. The reason you always take the opposite with Joe Biden, he's wrong about everything. And here's the problem Joe Biden has, by the way. Um, China is not saying that. So China released a statement. They released their transcript, and it said this. Xi stressed that the Taiwan question is at the very core of China's core interests, the bedrock of political foundation of China-U.S. relations, and the first red line that must not be crossed in the China-U.S. relations. So what does, what does that sound like? Does that sound like, yeah, yeah we're not, well, United States, we'll, 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 we'll stick, keep peace. No. It sounds like China is going to perform probably a blockade. They can't really invade right now because of the weather. It, it, the seas are really rough right now. The best time would have, to invade would have been in October. But don't be surprised if in the spring they don't start invading. It, it's going to be before Biden leaves the office because they don't need another president to come in, a Republican president, to come in and say, hey, if you guys go invade China, you're going to have a war with the United States. And there is a very good chance there could be war with China if if they decide to go out and invade Taiwan, because we have too much in invested into Taiwan, and we do not have any... I mean, I mean, the second Taiwan decides to invade, you better believe I'm going to get a computer. I'm going to buy a new computer. Because the reality is, we're not going to have any computer chips. Okay, but there. what was really interesting is that transcript they have. You know what they never talked about? They never talked about fentanyl, why China is sending uh, ingredients for fentanyl to Mexico. They never talked about unfair trade practices. They never talked about theft of our technical data. They never talked about the China virus and where that came from. They never talked about China's uh, one-road belt policy, They never, which is... Which is 
now beginning to infect South America, especially since Brazil, you know, basically had fraudulent elections. That's another thing that bothers me. Brazil had elections. People are saying the elections were fraudulent. They just put in a Hugo Chavez socialist in there. And now they are all rioting in the streets. Meanwhile, we have unfair elections. And I know in California we do, and we do nothing. I, and they never talked about China's attempt to use China's currency as the reserve currency. How they're trying to sneak their currency. Of course, their currency will not be the reserve currency because it is so weak right now. But they never talked about anything. You know what they did talk about, though? Climate change. By the way, they talked about climate change and how the United States is going to meet the Paris Accord uh, functions. They're, they're going to meet the Paris Accords, the, uh, our, our goals for the Paris Accord. China is the highest producer of carbon emissions. I think they're three times what the United States produces. China doesn't seem to be really paying attention to the Paris Accord. Oh, this freaking guy. Wait until we talk tomorrow about the economy. <laughs> the economy is falling apart. The economy is falling apart. I told you, recession is coming. If it's not, you know, Recession is here. And it's only a matter of time before people start losing their jobs. Guess what? It's happening. You wait till December when the unemployment rate goes up. Okay. Just when you thought the whole COVID thing was over. The Biden administration has decided to keep it going. So according to the Daily Caller, the United States Department of Health and Human Services did not inform states or healthcare providers of any intent to lift the COVID public health emergency by its Friday deadline, extending the emergency till at least January. In October, HHS extended the COVID public health emergency to January 11th. HHS Secretary... Xavier Becerra has promised to give 60 days notice before lifting the declaration to allow the preparation for a return to normal operations. You know, here's a newsflash. Here's a newsflash. COVID's been over for over a year. These guys just don't want to give up their power. The Declaration of Public Emergency Health affects Americans' access to health insurance. Up to 15 million people will be unenrolled from Medicaid and children's health insurance programs if the declaration is lifted. A public health emergency also makes it easier to access vaccines against COVID-19 because the government gets to pay the um, the government gets to pay Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson billions of dollars to keep the vaccines free. Now the other thing is the other thing with this is the student loan payments are stopped. Okay, that's the other thing. There's talk that this could go all the way till April, not till January. And Biden has already said he wants because his um, student loan forgiveness thing got shut down in court. And shock of all shocks, it was a political ploy for the elections. Because he doesn't seem to be fighting it anymore. He just gave it up. So what he decides to do, stop paying. You don't have to pay. And and he wants to extend that all the way to April, which means you have to keep this emergency until at least then. So this is the big problem with um, 
with this, this administration. They don't ever want to release. They never want this pandemic to end. They want to redistribute money as much as possible. They want to make people dependent on the government. This is part of that whole Great Reset thing that we talked about. Klaus Schwab wrote about it in his book, COVID-19 and the Great Reset, which Joe Biden is a big supporter of. We'll go, there'll be more on Klaus Schwab because for some reason, Klaus Schwab, who is the head of no country, was at the G20s and was allowed to make a speech. No one knows why he is the head of no sovereign nation. He is not a political figure. He's never been voted into office. He's just the head of the World Economic Forum. But for some reason, he's walking up and he's talking in front of the G20. They need, the reality is, and Klaus Schwab said this in his book, then the book's named COVID-19 and the Great Reset. They need to continue this going on. And the problem is people are going to need to fight this stuff because the reality is, guess what? We're, they're going to be lockdowns again. And those lockdowns are going to be for the climate crisis. I put that in quotes because we are not in a crisis. They're going to make it that we can't travel. They're going to make it that we can't own cars. California's already doing it. All this stuff needs to end. It really needs to end. There is just one big problem that's standing in, in Biden, Joe Biden's way. And he even commented on it this week while he's in Bali. Armed American people and the Constitution, the Second Amendment. He's already said he was telling people in Bali that he's going to go out of his way to try and try and ban assault weapons again. Do you think disarming the country so that he can push this great reset globalism crap on the people is a conspiracy theory? It's right out of the book. It's part of the playbook. Klaus Schwab wants the American people unarmed. He wants the whole world unarmed. That's the only way they can push this crap. If you don't believe me, read the book. Okay, good deal. I, I am going to get through this. So everything is racist. Everything is racist. Though CNN has changed their entire primetime lineup because they are way too left-wing, they still maintain the same old narrative. I don't know how anyone thinks that this company is going to end up making money or, or actually getting more than 17 viewers. So one of the things they like to do is everything is racist, and they find racism everywhere. Nigel Nickel Taylor Ellis and Justin Gamble wrote an article for CNN. It's on their website called Stacked Against You. Critics say the lottery system is preying on poor communities. That's right. The lottery is racist. Okay. So let's go through that article because it's, it's kind of interesting. It's stupid, but it's kind of interesting. There Now, some of the things I want to point out, the word system. Okay. They use this throughout the article. Why do they use the word system? Systemic racism. It's kind of like why they call people who don't think the elections were run right or were fair. They call them election deniers. They're trying to bring the stuff together. Um, Holocaust denier, election denier. They always say denier. They, they always stick you in a denier. Not to mention a denier is a, a really 
negative term. It's like, it's why they call us, it's why they use, they don't use pro-abortion or anti-abortion. It's pro-life or pro-choice. It's trying to make the positive. Abortion is always a negative. Anti is always a negative. No one wants to do that. They play with words. We do it too. Republicans and conservatives do it too. So let's read this article. As lottery players across the nation accept that they didn't win the historic $2.04 billion Powerball jackpot this week, experts are pointing to the flaws of the lottery system. They say unfairly targets poor black and brown communities. You know, I I want to give CNN a newsflash. White people play the lottery too, especially older people. I played the lottery. Why do you think it got to $2.04 billion? Do you think nobody was playing it? You think my dad plays it? Continuing, lottery officials say the lone winning ticket holder of the largest prize ever was sold in Altadena, California. The winner matched all six numbers, the odds of which were won in $292.2 million. But despite the extreme, <coughs> extremely low chances of anyone winning, state lotteries continue to market and sell tickets to low-income communities at higher rates, leading those Americans to believe it's a quick way to build wealth, researchers say. These communities are disproportionately made up of black and brown people. Critics say the consequence is that marginalized people will be driven deeper into deeper debt by a system, there's the word again, that is transferring wealth out of their communities. Now, he said black and brown communities are more affected already. All right? Remember, repetition, repetition, repetition. And marketed towards black and brown communities? Really? Don't the people, no matter their race, have a responsibility for controlling their buying of lottery tickets? Are black and brown people too stupid to know that they shouldn't waste a paycheck on lotto tickets? And by the way, all that crap, there is personal responsibility here. You want to know the odds of winning? You just look it. It's right there. You know your odds. One in 292 million? You walk in, you can look at the odds. You can look in the back of the ticket most of the time, and it's there. Okay, continuing. Lotteries are regressive, meaning lower-income groups spend more of their budgets on lottery games than higher-income groups. Why is that Why is that the lottery's fault? Far more money is wagered every year on instant scratch-off games, which studies show attract more low-income gamblers than huge jackpot drawings such as Powerball. Now, now they're all gamblers, mind you. Okay? They're all gamblers. Les Bernal, national director of Stop Predatory Gambling, called it a form of systemic racism, there it is, and consumer financial fraud. I, I, Of course, it's systemically racist, but I'm not exactly sure how it's con- consumer financial fraud. You don't know there's very little chance you're going to win the lottery? Are, are black and brown people just, again, too stupid to know that you've got a very little chance of winning the lottery? I kind of doubt that. Burnell said poor people are being scammed into believing they will someday gain wealth from a winning lottery ticket. Again, they're too, they're too stupid to know that's not the way to make money. And I'm going to keep saying that because this is an example of the bigotry of low expectations. Black and brown people, they're just too stupid. White people, they know. They don't buy lottery tickets because they know they're not gonna get they're not gonna get rich with lottery tickets. We're just too stupid to know that. Quote, they're hoping to pay their rent at the end of the month and 
or pay an outstanding medical bill or put their kids through college or they just lost their job and they're just trying to find a way to make ends meet, end quote, Burnell said, quote, and here you have it, what is a government program encouraging citizens to lose their money on rigged games, end quote. You know, I do want, again, the game's not rigged. That's just a stupid, that's just a stupid thing to say. The other thing I do want to point out too is that, um, you know, a lot of these people, they have outstanding medical bills. They have their rent to pay at the end of the month. They have to put their kids through college. They just lost their job. You know, most people that, that buy lottery tickets, that's not the case. They just want to get rich. And they figure, oh, well, it's worth it. And they have fun with it. And I do want to point out, if you cannot see that you will, you will not pay your rent because of a $2 Powerball ticket or a $10 five quick picks, then you've got a problem and it has nothing to do with the government. Quote, commercialized gambling like state, like state lotteries, like the Powerball drawing, they represent a financial exchange that is mathematically stacked against you, end quote, Burnell said. Uh, yes, it says it on the sign. It says it on the ticket. You know what the odds are. A study by the Howard Center of a study by the Howard Center for Investigative Journalism found that stores selling lottery tickets are disproportionately located in poor communities of every state. In most cases, the money these residents spend on lottery tickets does not come back to their communities, rather to colleges and wealthier school districts. The study found bullshit. That is just crap. You can buy a lottery ticket absolutely anywhere. They're everywhere. Even rich neighborhoods. Lot lottery ticket sales have jumped to $82 billion from $47 billion since 2005, according to the report, which notes that lotteries generate more revenue than corporate income taxes in 10 states. The Howard, I do want to point out that inflation since 2005, that would explain why it's gone up. The Howard Center pointed to a 1990 report to the National Gambling Impact Study Commission that found that black and low-income people, as well as high school dropouts, were the most frequent lottery players. Quote, poor people are collateral damage to a cause of raising money for, their legislature, uh, for what their legislatures feel is good purposes, public safety, local schools, former Massachusetts Inspector General Gregory W. Sullivan said. According to the Howard Center article, quote, State governments become dependent on revenue and any moral considerations gets pushed, pushed out of view and out of mind, end quote. Again, the people who waste their money on the lottery, lottery are never given any responsibility. It's the system that is screwing, uh, that, that is screwing them. It's not there, you know, if you don't have enough money to pay the rent, maybe you shouldn't spend money on the lottery. That seems like it's an individual choice. I, I, I'm fin and this is the last thing because then, then I'll just finish reading this article because I, I don't want to hear this. Jonathan Cohen, author of For a Dollar and a Dream, State Lotteries in Modern America, said the lottery represents a mechanism of the American dream for many people. Cohen said when the economy and unemployment rates are suffering, many lottery players see the game as a chance to get ahead. No, that's just incorrect. He's wrong. The American dream has nothing to do with winning the lottery. The American dream involves equal opportunity, hard work, combined with making the right choices, and then you can succeed. For example, you're 18 years old. 
you go to college or you go to trade school, you learn a trade, then you get married, then you have kids, boom, your American dream. You will probably, in all likelihood, be absolutely fine in your life. Studies have shown that too. 18, getting your girlfriend pregnant, leaving her, not having an education, working at Walmart, and then playing the lotto? That's not that's not an American dream. That's not how you achieve the American dream. Maybe these people ought to sit back and start teaching kids that's the American dream instead of saying, well, the lottery is the American dream. It's not. Again, this is the bigotry of low expectations. Black people and brown people, they just can't control themselves. We need to... We need to make it better for them. Let's ban the lottery. I mean, in California, they've banned flavored tobacco. Why? Because black people and brown people don't know, are too stupid to realize that tobacco is bad for you and the kids. Right? Bigotry of low expectations. They say it's for the kids, but no. Menthol cigarettes are spoke by the black community. And, they, and Gavin Newsom has said more than once, we should ban them because black people smoke menthols and it's really bad for them. I don't want the government making choices for me. If I want to smoke menthol cigarettes and get lung cancer, that's my problem. Okay, well, that's it. I'm not going to finish the article. It's just dumb. So, uh, yeah, well, here's, here's one thing. They call, it, they call it an investment. The lotto is an investment. <laughs> it's not investment. You, you're going to get nothing out of the lotto. Everyone should. Everyone who plays knows this. And if you play 10 times, chances are you're going to lose 10 times. Anyway, okay, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. Go to Rumble. I actually have two new videos. One is up. One is going up as we speak. I hope you have a great day. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>